Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And I'm your host, Joanne, and today we are joined by my guest all the way from Nigeria, Mr. Chimezi Chuta. Welcome to the podcast, Chimezi. Thank you so much, John, for having me today. And um, I'm so excited about today. I've waited for it almost two weeks. You gave me a long break <laughs> before this interview. So I've waited for it. So I'm set for it today. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, I'm the one that's really, really excited about this podcast. So I've been patiently waiting two weeks myself. I'm really, really happy. I'm really excited to have you on. So, Chimezi, where in Nigeria are we talking to you from today? Are you in Lagos? Yes, I'm right here in Lagos, at the Lagos mainland. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, so before we jump into the conversation, please tell us a little bit about you and just like your backstory. Where do you come from and how you got um, into this work that you're doing? Okay, I I have um, a long history of participation in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Um, spanning from around 2001 to today. And um, I got involved in tech pretty early as a graphic design person because most people don't know that I, I actually studied fine and applied arts in school. And mm. the, my very first entrance into the computer world was a, as a graphic designer. So that gave me the opportunity to own my own personal computer very early, around 1997. Mm. And um, ever since, I have always explored computers. And most of what I have learned are basically based on personal development. I took a lot of courses. I did a lot of online trainings to get where I am today. So I think that technology is exciting. And it Mm. offers opportunity for a lot of people to be able to participate in it, either as a creative or as an industry um, builder of the infrastructures. Okay, so I started out there and 
played a lot of roles, moved from graphics to web design, from web design to web application development to mobile application development, and um, got involved also in 3D printing. It was actually 3D printing that got me introduced to blockchain because I was looking at the modern application of 3D print printing technology. And I stumbled on some information that shows that 3D printing companies were using blockchain technology as a way of tracking supply chain. And I said, wow, what is this blockchain stuff? So I began <laughs> to um, explore um, blockchain technology. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so I decided to take up the free MOOC course offered by the University of Nicosia, Cyprus. So MOOC, you mean MOOC, the MOOC, okay. Yes, the MOOC, yes, yes, okay. the open, massive open uh, correspondence course. Yeah. So I yeah. took that course in 2016 on the digital currency. Mm. And of course, digital currency has blockchain as its foundation, and it was taught by renowned industries by like Andres Antonopoulos and uh, Andres Polymetics, who is the, the dean of the faculty. And it was really a very big eye opener. I mm. think in that 2016, we were about six, nine, nine, six Africans in that particular course series. And after that time, I felt that, wow, this is too, too um, big for one man to keep to himself. And I began to seek opportunities and avenues to share my experience, my stories, and also enlighten people about the opportunities because it offers huge opportunity. Okay, so um, that's when I decided also to form our the frontline um, community in Nigeria, which is Blockchain Nigeria is a group currently having close to 3,000 members. Mm. And uh, we've held a lot of conferences, we held a lot of seminars, we interfaced with um, different government agencies, regulators, policymakers. We worked with all kinds of people to try to bring the technology to the fore. Okay. Right. And uh, in order to also add voice, I decided also to write some books because in my spare time, I enjoy writing. So okay. I did simplified books and um, I've put them out there. I freely distribute them. Because uh, I believe that the more we share the knowledge, the better for the entire industry. And once the entire industry is properly built up, then it will be matured for us to begin to deliver products and services. And we can enjoy the mass um, adoption that everybody dreams of. But if we don't prepare the ground, that would have been very difficult for anyone to put in products and service and expect any um, returns from them. Okay, so I've been very excited about the industry. Mm. Okay, so all these past three, four years, we've been developing it. And of course, recently, I got involved with um, the Lightning uh, Network technology. Okay. And of course, looking at it and considering where we are coming from in Africa, I also decided also that we need to also innovate some kind of um, uh, technology that can help us um, run Lightning nodes. Since we already... Um, priced out of the Bitcoin mining um, <laughs> layer. As far as Africa is concerned, we can't participate in Bitcoin mining at this time. It's too expensive, mm. it's too um, electrically uh, intensive. Mm. Uh, it's too, you know, it's the entry level is far too way beyond where we can participate in a very significant way. But Lightning Network provides an alternative solution for us. And I think getting Africans on board Lightning is one of the things that I want to see in the next couple of years. Yeah, it captures 
a little bit about my background. Okay. So you mentioned that when you, so you, it sparked your interest and then you took the MOOC. What exactly about blockchain technology got you excited? Like, what was that thing? Like for me, it's the decentralization and it's the fact that it can rehaul the waste, like completely rehaul and reshape society. That's why it excites me and it has so much potential. So why does it excite okay. you? Three things excite me about blockchain technology. Yeah. One, as I've mentioned, is the decentralization. If anyone has ever lived in Africa as long as I've lived, mm -hmm. you will understand the evil of centralized control, centralized power. Right. It is it's a killer of innovation. It, or in it, any developing a, country, a, really, right? If any developing yeah, country. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. You know, because because uh, centralization is an evil that has made Africa not to actually progress beyond where they are. So I'm excited about decentralization. Mm -hmm. I'm excited about transparency. Mm. Okay. Now, a lot of things that happen in Africa are typically, not just Africa anyway, but most of Africa is, is covered in crude uh, uh, um, uh, secrecy. Okay, right. governance is OPEC, um, private sector operations is OPEC. Okay, mm. so you find it difficult to really know exactly what can be, um, what is going on because of lack of transparency. The right. third thing that also excites me about blockchain technology is the fact that, you know, anti-censorship, you know, you cannot censor it. You know, once the the distribution is uh, completely decentralized, then you cannot censor it. You know, it's a big it's a big addition because Africans also suffer with censorship. Every, everything they want to control it. Mm. They want to to you know the political elites want to control everything. Right. Okay, the rich people want to control as much as they can. Politicians want to control as much as they can. People who have government opportunities in, 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 in the armed forces, they want to control as much as they can. But of course, blockchain gives us that fact that, okay, you can't control anything, okay? And it's big. Then mm -hmm. add that to the point that, okay, data is now, you can now actually have reliable data, you know, built on the blockchain network more than right. you can have typically. Okay, and of course, Africa lacks reliable data, which is a major reason why we can't plan, we can't focus. That's why we cannot actually deal with issues the way they are supposed to be dealt because there's no reliable data. Okay, so these are the things that excite me about this technology. And I look forward to the day where blockchain will be infused into every aspect of the society, both governance, industrial operation and even in political systems right right okay so before we jump into actual use cases of blockchain technology in nigeria one thing i'm really curious about is the legal framework can you tell us like from a government perspective is what is the framework like in in nigeria is blockchain is it, is it legalized? Is the technology legalized? Like, tell us a little bit about the framework around it. Okay. Um, the thing about blockchain is 
it, it has, I like to describe blockchain technology as being tripartite in nature. Mm. It has the, the digital asset aspect of it. Mm -hmm. It has the technology aspect of it. And it also has the, 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 the policy aspect of it. Right. So right. taking a look at Nigeria, you, you, we, we dance across three different major agencies that have one thing or the other to do with the blockchain industry. And those are Security and Exchange Commission of mm -hmm. Nigeria, you have Central Bank of Nigeria, and you also have the National Agency for Technology Development. Whereas the Agency for Technology De De uh, Development is focused on the technology itself and where and how it can be applied in a regulated environment. Mm -hmm. um, Security and Exchange Commissions is concerned about the, the types of assets that are being issued, how they are managed, and how they affect the capital market. Okay. Then the Central Bank has to look at how um, the technology is being used in financial services, okay, in terms of currency issuance and control. So okay. every one of these agencies in Nigeria actually are doing serious um, things in the environment to ensure that they come out with the right policies, right regulations, and right decisions. Okay, so currently the, the Security and Exchange Commission is a little bit um, way ahead of the other agencies because they've been able to constitute a virtual blockchain and virtual financial asset regulation um, uh, framework committee, which has actually completed its work and currently the draft is submitted already. So the, 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 there is a clear direction that is already coming from that quarters, okay? okay. And also know okay. that the Agency for Technology Development is currently also working on policies, especially use cases that they will put out there as pilot projects that it will be worth exploring for people. So I'm aware of a national blockchain strategy being drafted by the agency, okay? And I'm also aware that um, Central Bank of Nigeria is also interested in what is going on in the space. Uh, I think in 2017, 2018, they conducted an overall study of um, alternative payments that is being driven by blockchain and virtual financial assets. And they told different parts of Nigeria to listen to the pulse of the people and interacted with the, the players in the industry. And I think based on the report that they gathered, they are also working on certain decisions that they are making. But for now, Mm. The, the industry, it's not 100% clear. But what we were sure is that the technology is currently rolling and um, no aspect of it is outlawed. It's just that the agencies relevant put out warnings once in a while to stop people from um, blindly investing in Ponzi schemes that may be masquerading as uh, genuine projects. Right, right. Now, as far as adoption, there's blockchain is, there's a lot of adoption in Africa, blockchain, right? So tell us about adoption in Nigeria and give us like some use cases, if you can. And not just in finance, because I know everybody, when, when you talk about blockchain and decent, uh, decentralization, people tend to think about fintech, but it can be used in every industry, like we mentioned before. So can you tell us about how it's been used in the country? Okay. Um, yes. Uh, aside um, the 
typical use cases that has to do with remittances and uh, mm -hmm, payment. Mm -hmm. Blockchain is being applied currently by the Nigerian Customs Service mm -hmm. for handling that aspects of the uh, uh, commission that requires you to have, um, you know, when you are in the shipping and importation industry, you have a lot of documentations to do and a whole lot of verification to do. Um, they are the very first people to actually um, utilize uh, uh, a DLT to um, reduce both the cost and the amount of time it takes for um, a typical um, shipping organization to process its papers. So mm -hmm. they reduced it from probably something could have taken like a three weeks or four weeks and now reduced to probably 24 hours or 48 hours, depending okay. on when the available documents. So they're able to like um, manage the entire process. It's called a supply chain management system. So they're able right. to manage that system whereby you need to like receive documents and verify them and time prove them and make them immutable and also make them transparent in their process. Currently, they are not handling things that has to do with payments. Okay. okay? But that aspect of document uh, management and distribution and verification is being handled uh, using blockchain technology. I'm and also said, aware you of said, uh, you said DLT, so just pe so people know. Yeah, you mean decentralized is, um, ledger technology. Right? Yes, yes, yes. It's a, a, a distributed ledger technology. Right. But you know, blockchain technology. There are different kinds of blockchain technology. So, so you want us to talk technical now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, 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 there are different types of blockchains. You have the private blockchain and you mm -hmm. have the public blockchain. In a public blockchain, it is open. Everybody has the opportunity to participate and nobody knows each other. So they just um, trust the code that is running the protocol and mm. they can participate from wherever they are without right. knowing each other and they can transfer and transact without actually having a central point of uh, authentication right. but on the on the private blockchain you need to like know the people yeah okay so it is only known and authorized participant that can actually function within a private blockchain and it's not open to everybody Yes, it's also a distributed type of database, but it's not um, like, you know, an example is you have the Bitcoin protocol, which is um, public, or mm. Ethereum protocol, which is public. Anybody can plug in there and use it. But when you have DLTs, it needs to be only known participants that right. are authenticated right. to participate, that will only participate there. So it's not public. Nobody can just jump in there and start using them. Okay. So that was one, that was one example. What about like in say infrastructure projects? Is it being used there? Um, for now, there's no um, publicly available data that can be used to show that yes, it's being used in that. But, but I know also that in finance, mm -hmm. um, a particular, um, foremost company in Nigeria that is into payment system. Uh, I think that's in Taswich. I know that they recently also signed up some kind of um, working agreement with um, Microsoft to deploy a blockchain technology that will also make 
um, settlements to be a little bit more streamlined. And also know that there are, there are a whole lot of uh, new uh, efforts in mm -hmm. the financial service industry to rebuild the, the settlement layer and mm -hmm. utilize blockchain technology to make it a little bit more seamless, transparent, and mm -hmm. less um, uh, 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 subjective to, to hacks by external uh, advisory participants. Mm, fantastic. So yeah. why, why do you think, because we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on the podcast, why do you think adoption in Nigeria, would you say that firstly, I mean, I know Kenya has a lot of adoption as well. Would you say that Nigeria is leading the continent in blockchain, adoption of blockchain technology? That's an easy yes, right? Well, I wish I can say that. No, I, I, I thought I thought it was a yes. Okay, so who's leading? Who's leading no, no, in the no, no. use of blockchain I, technology in Africa? Do you know? Uh, well, I think um, East Africans are mm -hmm. a lot more um, advanced in this technology than Nigeria. I, I will have to be frank with you. Okay, I, I don't want to be unpatriotic. Africans, East mm -hmm. Africans, are making a way lot more. Uh, in route into this technology than I see. Nigeria is the one. Okay. East Africa meaning namely, is that Kenya? Are you referring to Kenya? Kenya, Rwanda. Rwanda, okay. Um, yeah, Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania. Got it. Yeah, and yeah, and even South Africa. I think those guys are a lot, lot more ahead of us. And I've heard about Bot Botswana as well. I heard about a lot yes, happening Botswana in Botswana. Yes, yes, okay. Yes. So you, I, I thought that based on what I was reading and things that I was seeing, I thought Nigeria would have been one of the leaders as well. So that's interesting to hear you say that that's not the case. Being a Nigerian yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm try, I know that uh, my countrymen, when they listen to this podcast and they'll say, oh, this guy, you knocked us. But I don't have to lie to myself. I, I, based on the available information that I have, and yeah. I can tell you I have really um, sizable amount of information on this industry. And I can tell you that, yes, we're doing well, mm -hmm. but we are not leading in Africa. Got you. Okay, so to the question, um, what I was going to ask was, why do you believe that this technology is being so widely adopted throughout the African continent versus in other parts of the world? Okay, I'm always very happy to answer this type of question. It's the, the only time I have to tell the world that um, this is one time that lack of legacy system has become an advantage. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. <laughs> okay. No, it's okay. true, it's true. Yes, okay, because we could have been immune, um, oh, we don't have this, we don't have this, we don't have this legacy, but okay, but the technology provides us the opportunity to take off immediately from the top mm -hmm. okay all we need to do is to leapfrog from wherever we found that we were and get to this new level okay mm -hmm. so we don't need to worry about oh we do not have the the old telephone systems and all the the needed infrastructure that run it and all that all that, all that. no we can just get in here and begin to build on this new technology and it's an advantage it saves cost it saves time and it's easier to implement so if, mm. if you look at African countries, you understand that because we do not have the infrastructures that we needed previously, mm -hmm. now that they are, you know, the, the move for the 
takeover of the digital generation is even closer than we had been thinking about, then it's easier to build those infrastructures on this new blockchain technology that is available right now than trying to build them on the old um, systems that are also susceptible to failures. Okay, so I think blockchain would do a lot more in Africa mm. than it could do anywhere else in the world. And that's because based of on... Primary, yes, based on this fact that we did not have the requisite infrastructure before now. And now we, are, we have no choice at this point. There's no African country that has any choice other than to digitize and also globalize. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so which tool will they be adopting at this time mm. that will put them at the forefront of the technologies? I don't think there's any other one other than to adopt the blockchain technology because blockchain technology is not just a technology solution, but it's also a technology infrastructure. Mm. Do you understand? So yeah. unlike maybe yeah. um, tech like artificial intelligence and uh, big data, big data and artificial intelligence will require you to have like, it will run on the old uh, infrastructure. But now you can actually build on blockchain technology and also infuse AI and big data and yeah. all the new techs that are coming up today on top of blockchain technology. It's amazing what it can do if African uh, policymakers will actually rise up to the occasion and take timely decisions that can help the industry to close them. Yeah. Essentially, it's about need, right? Needs versus wants. I mean, if you're, if you're in Africa or in a developing country, um, employing blockchain is really about a need. If you're in Scandinavia, it's about a want, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. We need it here. Yeah, there is yeah. need for it in Africa. I mean, there is urgent need for it in Africa. Absolutely. Now, I know something that you're really into is uh, green. Is it green energy or renewable energy? Well, um, renewable energy is it's more like it. Renewable energy. Okay. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Okay, um, there's one thing that Africa has in abundance, mm -hmm. and that's sunshine. Yes. Okay, yes. so we have sunshine more than any other thing that we have. Well, of course, we have several other natural um, endowments, but we have a lot of sun. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we've not been able to harness the sun power to transform our energy industry. It's been slow, it's yeah. not coordinated, yeah. and the, 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 the wheel to get it done by African government actually does not exist. I think in 2015, I was in Los Angeles for a brief uh, conference session, and I got to learn that the entire uh, city was being run by um, solar energy. And right. they were generating right. up to 100, as at that time, up to 125 um, kVA of power. And I, make, I mean, megawatts of power, and I would say, wow, Okay, so uh, when you come back home here in Africa and you find out that with all this sunlight everywhere all through the year, we are able to generate absolutely nothing in terms of energy to utilize mm. for industrial development. Okay, it's very sad. Mm. 
Okay, so um, getting back to how I think that it's going to be very useful for us in the technology. Mm -hmm. uh, the second layer, the layer two protocol on top of Bitcoin is Lightning Network. And okay. it has a huge opportunity to not just um, disrupt um, other technologies that, that are in the payment industry, but also create new opportunities for a lot of new entrepreneurs to emerge. Right. So now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so we can actually utilize this sun because here again, the technology is here, decentralization, alternative finance, and decentralized finance all coming together for us. How do we tap into this? Yeah, we can use solar energy to power lightning nodes cheaply mm. and affordably mm. anywhere as long as you can see the sun. So that's the brain, the idea behind the Spacebook project that we have already um, put out there. It's running right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I built my own uh, lightning node using mm. solar panels and batteries, and they are running right now. I could show you um, a screen share of um, how it's running and the data that is coming out of it. Now, mm. it is one of the things I, I envisage that in the coming years will help a lot yeah. in terms of driving adoption for digital currencies across Africa. So at times it seems like the conversation around uh, blockchain, particularly across the African continent, is dominated by Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Can you explain to us why there's so much uh, focus on Bitcoin and finance? in countries like yours and across the continent? Africans do not have as much opportunities like their counterparts in the West mm. and in Europe. Okay, mm -hmm. so opportunities for economic advancement and success are very limited. Right. Now, the, the trading and speculation of digital assets may not be a huge opportunity to people in the West or in Europe, but mm. it's a huge opportunity for people in Nigeria and in the rest of Africa mm. because they are creating opportunity for themselves using these digital assets to end in global currencies, which right. has an overwhelming power when converted to their local currencies. Right. Today, as we speak, the black market exchange rate for U.S. dollar is around 450 to 1 U.S. dollar. Mm. And when someone makes $10 in crypto trade, it's a big money mm. back home. It's a big money. It could feed a family for one week or more. Mm. $10. Okay, so, so the, the industry has provided that opportunity for people in Africa. So they don't want to really care at now whether policymakers and government are interested in making the other parts of the technology to work locally, as long as they can feed into this particular um, opportunity. It's a multi-billion dollars industry. Yeah. And they are very yeah. happy to participate and in a substantial amount of money that can actually provide them a better living standard. 
Yeah. I mean, you were on, we mentioned the podcast that you were on, uh, the German podcast, where you mentioned the volume of Bitcoin or I think, was it remittances or just how Nigerians are using Bitcoin? And it was this astronomical figure that blew yes, my mind. Can you repeat that for us, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, that figure, that figure is, is really, when, when I share that was figure like, in our, when I share that figure in our, our, our forum, in the Blockchain Nigeria Group Forum, yeah. um, a lot of people challenged it because it was underrated. But mm, the figure shows wow. that in the last quarter of 2020, the last quarter that just ended last month, yeah. that Nigerians were able to trade about $27 million worth mm. of Bitcoin in regulated exchanges. Now, these regulated exchanges are the biggest exchanges like Paxful, local Bitcoin, local Ethereum, and then um, their likes and Binance, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, a lot more of the trades go on in WhatsApp groups, yeah. Telegram yeah. groups, yeah. Facebook yeah. groups, mm. okay? And these ones are not even included in that volume. Wow. I mean, let that sit in. Let that sit in for a minute. Tell us the number again. Yeah, How much million? Let, let me let me give you another shocker. Let me give you another shocker. <laughs> uh, in 2018, uh, I was invited with yeah. my group to come to Security and Exchange Commission to make a presentation that yeah. will show them the state of um, um, blockchain and crypto assets in Nigeria. Yeah. And I had this slide, and I got a particular slide that shows that Nigerians were doing like three billion dollars of transaction billion naira worth of um bitcoin transaction every month mm. the dg said post day say what did you say <laughs> do you have and do you and do you have people challenging you of course like where are you getting this data from and how yes, do you know yes, and, yes. Yeah. but the data is out there there's a coin there's a website called coin dance if you go yeah. to coindance.com yeah. You'll be mm -hmm. able to see transaction volume from regular regulated agencies on a weekly basis. They are there in the public preview. Yeah. Okay. So, mm. so whereas I cannot quote about the informal sector, I can give you the data from the formal sectors, like the regulated exchanges, the big exchanges. Yeah. Okay? I can give you that data. So when when she saw that volume of trade, she said, "Wow." Mm. I will need to call the, the 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 board for you to come and repeat this presentation. And she actually considered the board and brought them to Lagos and called us again to come and do the presentation. And, we did. and that was when they decided to set up that um, regulatory framework industry. Because I told them that whether you make a, a, a regulatory instrument available or not, the industry has taken off already. Right. But imagine, imagine if it was regulated how different would it be if it was regu regulated i think it would be a lot lot bigger than what it was absolutely why because if it's regulated you will be able to attract um bigger businesses mm. you'll be able to attract bigger investors institutional investors who come in and you'll find out that this volume will be dwarfed almost immediately because the banks will come in because banks are looking for where to make money. Yeah. And currently, they cannot officially make money from digital assets technology because they are banned from doing businesses with assets, uh, digital asset companies. 
Right. Okay, so they can't do that. But as long as they have the opportunity, they will. In US, banks like uh, JP Morgan already buying Bitcoin mm -hmm. and issuing their own cryptocurrencies. Yeah, yeah. And it's because they expect that it makes it will make them money or they know that it's making them money. There's no other reason. Right. Now you mentioned some of these groups. I managed to wiggle my way. I don't know how I get into these groups, but I managed to wiggle my way into some of these groups. So uh, speaking of WhatsApp groups, so there's loads of WhatsApp groups, like you mentioned, right? And then there's also, there's your Telegram group, which is the blockchain Nigeria group, Nigeria which like you mentioned that at the beginning, which has, uh, you said like about close to 3,000 people 3, 000, almost. Yes. Now, yeah. I'm in this group. Now, this is what it says. Our objective is to create a pro-innovation environment for the industry, meeting the growing global demand for accessible, transparent, and democratic financial and technical systems, etc., etc., etc. People need to know that this group is... Like if you, I walk away for 20 minutes and I come back and there's like 500 messages, like no lie, <laughs> no lie. No, seriously, seriously, this group, wow. I can't keep up with all the messages in this group. And then there's, there's like all these other groups, like from Nigeria, like there's the bundle group. There's a cute, is it cure pay group? There's all these different groups, right? So there's so much activity. People are talking, people are doing things. And I mean, and I learned so much like when I'm in, in your group. So what, I mean, you mentioned it a bit at the beginning, but like, what do you, what do you foresee with this group? Like, where is this going to go? Like we talked about you like going on to stack or do you see this evolving into something else or would you like it to just remain as a telegram group? Okay. Um, it took us time to move to telegram. We were previously on whatsapp and yeah, yeah, yeah. we couldn't contain yeah and we moved to telegram yeah i figured that that, that a group like this is necessary for deepening uh, knowledge and adoption in the ecosystem and that's why we have made it completely non-savic centric mm. nor product centric so mm. it is not tied to any service and is not tied to any product so we use it as a vetting ground for projects and also um, create an environment for people to learn about the technology. Whether you want to get into trading or you want to get into application development on blockchain, the group provides that environment for you to learn and to grow. There's no other group like that. Most groups that people no, belong to, they either they are, they are promoting a particular product, they're promoting yeah. a particular yeah. service. And we moderate this group. I mean, we moderate with stringent uh, um, rules. Yeah. So we, you don't drop stuff there, you don't share promotional materials, you don't do any of those things unless they are vetted properly. Okay? Mm. And that is the way to, to grow an ecosystem because right. people should know that there are places where they can get accurate information, not just information that are tied to a service or a product that somebody wants you to buy. Right. I mean, like, so just we are looking like at. I was going to say, so, like yesterday with the, the Twitter hack, there were some really interesting conversations around that. That was really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we're looking to, the next level for the group is to actually move to decentralized autonomous organization. Mm. And we're already um, putting together an Oracle team mm. that will constitute the elders of the DAO. 
Okay. okay. Because what we want to achieve is we want to show people that the technology is for use, is not for talks. Okay. okay. So we, we, we want to demonstrate how people can run healthy, decentralized, autonomous organizations using blockchain technology to govern both activities of the group and to create value that will also generate income for the decentralized autonomous organization, just like a country needs to be able to articulate all the uh, potentials that it has to survive by itself. That's the same way we're looking at creating a DAO for Blockchain Nigeria as a group, so that nice. we can survive on our own. Because previously, when we hold conferences, we typically expect sponsors mm. to um, support our conferences. And of course, when sponsors support your conferences, you can't stop them from doing their presentations, even if you don't believe in their product. Right. But if we're able to grow to a sustainable organization on its own, that has its own funding mechanism, mm -hmm. we will no longer depend on, on, on sponsorships to hold conferences. We'll be able to fund ourselves and only allow projects that we have vetted, only right. projects that we have already you know, completely researched to be sure that the project will be able to add value to our environment. Those are the right. only projects that we can allow. Then we can throw it open to encourage African projects to right. easily, um, you know, enter the scene. Oh, nice. And what's the timeline for this? Is this, is, I know you said it's, it's in the works now, but when do you think it's going to come into effect? Well, um, we, we're not in a hurry. But we have <laughs> You're not in a hurry? <laughs> Why I don't believe that? I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not in a hurry because um, there are certain things that will have to happen within 24 hours and mm. we cannot uh, force the time to move ahead. Life is always changing. Okay, so, things always yeah, happen. So, so we, we, we are looking to, we had our first meeting on Wednesday night to talk about the constitution of the DAO. Mm. And um, we'll be, you know, gradually working towards that. The next thing we'll need to do is to vote on the DAO platforms that right. we have as an option to use. Once we have voted for that one and we're able to arrive at the DAO platform we need, then we'll go into the DAO development. But meanwhile, we're also um, creating different kinds of um, content that will drive the utility of the DAO tokens if eventually we um, uh, deploy the DAO. Nice. So what is, I, I have a, like a vision question, right? But it's a two-part vision question. How do you see, like for you, as you know, as you call yourself the, um, what was it? Friend of disruptive Friend tech. Of the disruptive technology. <laughs> yeah. How do you see all of this coming together, sort of like a, in line with your passion and, you know, being a friend of disruptive technology? And then what do you see as the vision for blockchain in on the continent itself so it's a two-part vision question okay first of all mm. i would have been a victim mm -hmm. of the um lack of infrastructure and lack of enabling environment if i was not a friend of disruptive technologies Mm. Because most of my life has been an experience that has not been really very good in terms of expectations from government and mm. policymakers. Mm. But I don't want to be a victim and I cannot be a victim anymore. So I want to be part of the, that group 
or that generation that will usher in um, the disruptions that can make things better. Right. So I'm always on the lookout for any technology that can help to change the system, right. change the way we think, change mm. the way we run governments, change the way we, we relate with each other. So right. I'm, I'm always available to, to explore those technologies. So yeah. my hope is yeah. that African countries, and we're building bridges, mm. okay, this thing we are doing has connected us with a whole lot of people that we couldn't have met before. I have um, people who share the same vision in Kenya, in Botswana, yeah. in yeah. South Africa, yeah. in mm. Rwanda, in Tanzania, in Ghana, in Sierra Leone, in uh, Egypt. Okay, yeah. so there, there's this network of Africans who think this way, who believe in the power of decentralization to change Africa. Right. We are many. It's not only me. We are many. And we have been able to connect and we are still connecting. And I believe that if we continue to do what we are doing and drive it as far as we can, we'll get the attention of the relevant people, powers right. that will require, that is required. Because I keep telling some of our friends that, okay, see, these things we are, the initiatives that we are running, they are very good, but we need political will. We need to get the attention of the politically influential populace yeah. to lend their voice to this. Right. Because that will also help us. Because Africa is a heavily politically driven uh, uh, system. Right. So right. it's almost impossible for individuals to make changes without government efforts. But you synergize, you collaborate, you get the attention of the government, and then exactly. you change. Perfect. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Sure. And then for the bigger vision for the continent, where, where, where do you, like 10 years from now, how do you think the, con the, the continent will be utilizing blockchain? Or what, would the co what do you think the continent's going to look like because of blockchain? Okay. Um, uh, on December, I think December 7, 2018, I had the privilege to be a guest to the former president of Nigeria, mm -hmm. um, President Tolushego Basanjo, in his um, Abiyokuta home. Okay. In company okay. of a couple of other professors from University of Mudok in Australia. Yeah. And they were, they were launching what they call Africa Project group mm. africa project group which mm. was an office under the uh, late um, secretary general of the united nations uh, kofi annan okay and they had a blockchain group under that particular thing and our discussion in that engagement was on how they could um, utilize blockchain technology to drive Africa's economic development, utilizing the transparency of the protocols to manage funds that are being dispersed by Africa Development Bank. Because according to them, there's a lot of money in Africa Development Bank, but they are no longer willing to give out those monies because the transparency level for which people use in managing them is lacking. And they are mm. looking for the technology that can help them do that. Mm -hmm. And I say to them that this is a very good opportunity and this technology will drive it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. But of course, you know that things in Africa don't work as speedily as you expect. I was expecting by now that that initiative would have gone viral and mm -hmm. African governments would have been brought into a table to talk about it. But mm. I see the vision, the bigger vision is someday we'll be able to have a blockchain conference that will have most of the African policymakers and leaders sit down on a round table to talk about how to utilize this technology for mm. Africa's development. Nice. So that, that's, what, that's, that's what you see in the future. That is what I would like to see. That's what you would like to see. <laughs> that's what I would like to see. I would like policymakers, political leaders, politically exposed, influential leaders across Africa to sit down and agree that, yes, blockchain technology is a tool we cannot afford to ignore mm. as a necessary um, uh, um, strategy to drive Africa's development. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you an honest question. You have to give me an honest answer. On a scale from 1 to 10, with 10 being highly likely and 1 being most unlikely, where do you see that falling, the likelihood of that happening on that scale? I think 5. Okay, that's fair. Somewhere in the middle. Mm, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. <laughs> yes. I think it's I think it's more likely to happen than not happen. Yeah. So probably I can yeah. move it from five to six. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. But I I think that that's a really good vision, and all the work that you're doing is is going to help that to happen. So, in terms of all the stuff that you do, where can people find you? How can they read about your stuff? I mean, I know you're all over social media, but can you tell people where they can go to follow you, find out about your work, find, about, find out more about blockchain in Nigeria? Um, hopefully, you're going to start that podcast soon. We're putting it out there on the podcast. He is going to start the podcast soon. Yes? <laughs> We're putting I it out in the universe. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start a podcast soon. Fantastic. I agree with you. I will. And I, 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 you will hold me by that word. I will start a podcast soon. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can be found everywhere on the internet, but I have a personal website at chuta.me, C-H-U-T-A dot M-E, chuta.me. Then if you go on Twitter, um, you can find me at mezier16, at mezier, M-E-Z-I-E-1-6. Mezier 16 on Twitter. Then everywhere else on LinkedIn is Chimeze Twitter. On Facebook is Chimeze Twitter. And on Instagram is Chimeze Twitter. And, um, and you're people both. Where who can connect you, with where, me. Where, okay, people go who ahead. connect with okay. me. Uh, hold on. People who connect me, with me are always um, excited because they always get something in return. I have books and I give out those books freely to people. I have books on um, blockchain and uh, virtual currency. I have yeah. a book on DeFi. I have a book on this lightning technology. So I always direct people to those places and they can get them for free. Nice. And, and, and they can go to your website to find out where to get like all of these books and, and everything, right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Nice. Now at the end of every um, show, 
we like to gain or learn from lessons from, from our guests. So what lessons learned would you like to pass on or share with our guests? Bearing in mind that these are all early stage entrepreneurs in developing countries all around the world. Maybe some are trying to get into this space. Maybe some are curious. What would you like to share with them from, me, from your experience? Okay, um, two key things. First mm -hmm. of all, um, this technology has to do with finance. No matter how you want to look at its application, it has mm -hmm. to do with value. Value, and yeah. Because it has to do with value, um, it's always attractive to people who have um, questionable intents and character. Mm. And that affects the type of people you are likely to meet in your journey. Mm. You're going to meet people who will look as though they have the right intentions, but actually they're looking for how to utilize this technology to um, swindle you. And that's why you need to get the right education on a fundamental level. Mm. Okay, and um, the reason why the, the mock courses are great for beginners is that those courses are not product-centric and they are not service-centric and they are designed to give you every single detail of what you need on a fundamental level to begin this journey. So I always recommend people to go and take that course from the University of Nicosia Cyprus. It's 12 part. And mm. I tell you that even though it's free, that course could have attracted $1,000 or more if they want to, want to uh, uh, um, prize it, okay? So mm. go ahead and take that course. The, the knowledge that you get from that course will be invaluable in your journey. Secondly, be wary of um, scam get-rich initiatives that masquerade as blockchain technology. Mm. Okay, so if you if you do not have the knowledge on a fundamental level, you can easily be deceived. So I have learned because I also lost a lot of money mm. in my beginning of this journey. I mm -hmm. lost a lot of money from a lot of scam projects. Okay, and it was because of that loss of money that made me to begin to do some of the things that I do, which has to do with education and enlightenment, so mm. that people will get to know and not fall inside the same types of errors that I fell into. Okay. All right. That's it? Because I feel like you can share so much. But if that's it, that's okay. <laughs> well, we don't have the whole time in the world. No, no we don't. We don't. We no, that was perfect. So that I'm was just perfect. trying to hold back a whole lot. But we can do this another time. We can choose some other um, subject areas to focus on, on some other podcasts, if you will. Yeah, or even better, when you do when you start your own podcast, we can all listen in <laughs> every week and just have you share the knowledge. Yes, yes. You listen to me. I um like I, I consume a lot of content. Much of that content is in the form of podcasts. And I'm going to tell you right now that there are, I want to say very few or even next to, to none, um, like Africans on the continent doing podcasts that focus specifically on blockchain. I mean, there are loads of African content creators, obviously, doing amazing podcasts, but not on this topic. 
And I think it's an area where a lot of people, not just people on the continent, but people around the world would love to know about. So there's, this is a need, this is a need, this is a need for sure, for sure. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for giving me some of your time. It was a real pleasure. I waited a whole two weeks for this conversation and it was brilliant. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Joanne. Really enjoyed myself talking with you. All right. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. Bye. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.